Welcome to Onco Farm. I'm your host, John Bazaar, Associate Professor of Pharmacy Practice at the Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy, and I'm recording this on August 30th, um, 2018, from my office here uh, in Mountain Home, Tennessee, uh, on the VA campus at East Tennessee University. And it's that time of year again, uh, sports fans. It's football season, American football season, not the not the, the football that the rest of the country loves, or the rest of the world loves. It's college football season, and my Purdue Boilermakers kick off the season tonight on the on ESPN. Very excited, but that's not the real season that I'm talking about here. I'm talking about flu season. Uh, well, it's not really flu season yet. It's flu it's flu shot season. It's flu vaccine season. Uh, and I know this because uh, all my friends who work in uh, community retail drugstore or chain pharmacies uh, are talking about this on on Facebook uh, and they're they're excited now that they have their their flu shot inventory to give to patients but um, come come January they're gonna be complaining uh, as they do every year about how many flu shots they give here in the here in the United States um, the, the number of flu shots given in uh, pharmacies I don't know how this is worldwide in other places like like the United Kingdom or Ireland or the Netherlands, um, but the percent of flu shots given in pharmacies here has gone from, uh, say, 24% early in the flu season in, in 2016 to 28% uh, last November in pharmacies. So that's going up. So uh, a lot of pharmacists giving a lot of flu vaccines, and um, this is certainly relevant to patients receiving chemotherapy. And this. Um, I don't make a conscious effort to think about this every year, but we had a patient in clinic this week who's going to be starting chemo uh, the second week of September. And I was like, oh my gosh, this never happens. We have the perfect two-week window to get the flu shot done before starting chemo because as we all know, it is known, the flu vaccine takes about two weeks to become fully effective. And it's not always a luxury we have in our cancer patients. Oftentimes, especially if it's a small cell lung cancer or acute leukemia, you don't have time to wait two weeks to give chemo. You gotta get, you gotta get going. And, and even for slower growing cancers, patients don't typically wanna wait. They wanna get on uh, with starting their treatment. Um, so uh, it's a common question that comes up and it's one that is maybe confusing, confusing, confusing 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 to patients uh, about getting the flu shot and of course there is uh, inactivated uh, flu vaccines and then the the live attenuated flu vaccines like the flu mist and of course we know we would not want to use a live attenuated vaccine in patients who are immunocompromised like your cancer patients and those receiving chemotherapy uh, so I thought this would be a good uh, idea for a podcast and it, it unfortunately grew into more than that um, so let's just start with maybe the basic thing. If you were a patient uh, or you know an uninformed clinician, you you know Googled this, you might stumble upon the American Cancer Society's website. They have a um, you know uh, kind of a frequently asked questions page, I guess, uh, about should I get a flu vaccine? And the American Cancer Society is a great organization geared towards patients. So they raise a lot of money. Some of that goes to research. Some of it goes to to funding uh, patient support programs, uh, getting patients to get their chemo, developing guidelines, things like that. So it's very patient-oriented, which is great. Uh, and their website says, quote, the flu shot may be given at least two weeks before chemo or between cycles. Pretty vague. Um, so I wanted to look into this a little bit more and look at some of, uh, some of the data that's out there. So this went from being a podcast to more of a pseudo-systematic review that will be presented in oral format as opposed to written um, 
referenced, submitted for peer review, then revised, and then resubmitted again uh, six months down the road. So, so here's my, my process. So the first thing I did was PubMed, uh, Influenza Vaccine Cancer, and PubMed Influenza Vaccine Chemotherapy. Uh, and I limited my search results to review articles. Whenever I'm starting at a topic, I want to see what other people have written and compiled. Because, um, you know, work smarter, not harder. So there is a Cochrane database systematic review from 2018 um, looking at, quote, influenza vaccines in immunocompromised patients uh, with cancer or receiving chemotherapy. Uh, now, this um, included six studies, uh, only six studies of several hundred that they considered and about 2,000 patients total and really I won't go into the details of how they uh, their selection criteria for studies but really looking at broad public health questions does influenza vaccine in patients receiving chemo um, reduce all-cause mortality does it re reduce the development of influenza and that's a hard thing to measure so it's really influenza like illnesses uh, or confirmed influenza or serologic outcomes and they only included one study and ironically that's the easiest thing to show uh, as we'll see. Um, so a couple problems with this, this is really looking at things from a real big picture like from air, airplane level view and these in, they included studies kind of all together to answer the same questions including patients uh, receiving hematopoietic stem cell transplant so those with hematologic malignancies, those with solid tumors, um, and there was absolutely no consideration given to the type of chemo that was given or the day of chemo that's been given. I know that's one question I get is it'll be the middle flu season. We're about to start a patient on, on Fulfox or carbopamitrexid, and the question is when should we get the flu shot? Um, so that's a question you've probably received, and um, if you want to stop listening now, because it's football season or because you don't like the sound of my voice. The answer is you can do whatever you want, but let's go through the data so you can come up with a, a more informed answer um, to that question because I do think there is, there, the data suggests what we should do. Um, so I also found a systematic review written by um, Shahat and Kareem, faculty uh, in the College of Medicine, I think, from the University of Cincinnati, um, there was a systematic review published in Clinical Medicine Insights, colon, Oncology. And they looked at studies from 1964 to 2013, including 16 studies comprising about 1,000 patients. Not looking at any clinical outcomes, but focusing on serologic conversion or serologic protection, as well as adverse events. And guess what? The adverse events are the same in, in everybody, okay? So I won't really talk about, you know, toxicity. You know, the toxicity is the same. And yet, I don't need to say it, but I'm going to say it. The flu vaccine is not going to give you the flu. An inactivated flu vaccine won't give you the flu. I don't know how many times you can say that patients still, uh, you know, confuse a, an immune-mediated response to a vaccine with the flu. <sighs> anyway, by the way, serological conversion is usually defined in these studies as a fourfold increase in uh, antibody titers, and seroprotection is having uh, those antibody titers reach a certain threshold, which is generally more than a ratio of one to forty higher than that. And these studies looked at various malignancies, um, some, you know, some, they, they explicitly got GCSF, that was the, the purpose of the study to see if that increases uh, flu effectiveness, sometimes it was undocumented, various chemotherapy regimens, uh, the day of the vaccine, when it was given, was not often documented. Um, so, and generally what you get from this is the flu vaccine seems to work, but the data is very heterogeneous and of poor quality 
due to randomization issues, uh, a lack of stratification in many of these issues, uh, or many of these studies uh, over things that you would expect and that we now know affect vaccine response, um, and just low numbers. I mean, most of these studies have, you know, ends, number of patients accrued of 20, 40, 60. So very small studies. Okay, so now I've got two review articles, and I'm going to go through and look at um, the studies they cite, and then I also PubMed uh, influenza vaccine cancer or influenza vaccine chemotherapy, but then limiting the search results to clinical trials. And I end up finding 12 studies uh, or research briefs in one case uh, that I thought, um, you know, were worth looking into further. So in true systematic review style, we'll go through this with, uh, you know, what are the unanswered questions that we're trying to answer? So the first question um, is, is the flu vaccine even effective in patients receiving chemotherapy? Uh, because, you know, that's basically the talking point. Somebody wants to get a flu vaccine while they're on chemo. Well, we know it's not going to hurt you any more than it would otherwise. Maybe it's not as effective, but, well, maybe it's not effective at all. Maybe it's fully effective. We don't know, but the risk is basically none, and there may be benefits, so let's go ahead and do that. And I don't mean the risk isn't none, but the risk is not exaggerated because you're on chemo. So if you look at all these studies, and again, there are flaws in the design, um, you know, if you're going to measure mortality, maybe that's what you determine as, is this effective? And there was one large study, um, it was an Israeli study of like 800 patients that was looking at measuring mortality. Um, well, the problem is, you know, cancer patients tend to die from, from cancer or from chemotherapy toxicity. So that's kind of a hard thing to, sh to, to see. They actually did see a mortality benefit from being vaccinated, but there were a lot more patients with hematologic malignancies in the vaccinated group. And this was not a, a randomized study. This was just a, a prospective non-intervention cohort study. But there are, you know, like 10% more hematologic malignancy patients in the vaccinated study, uh, you know, just based on the numbers and, um, the, uh, the rates of, of malignancy, most of those patients with the hematolog hematologic malignancies would have been CML, CLL, so chronic malignancy patients may be less likely to die from cancer. But um, So again, that's, that's an example of some of the flaws of the data that we have out there. Uh, also looking at influenza illness, you know, that's really what probably should be the gold standard for a flu vaccine is does it prevent you from getting uh, influenza? Well, that's hard to measure. Um, for a lot of reasons, and that's why uh, the most common endpoint is not actually confirmed influenza, but influenza-like illness, which could include things like pneumonia, potentially COPD exacerbations, depending on um, on what you're looking at. So, serological conversion or serologic protection, so an increase in your titers fourfold from baseline or an increase of your titers to that magic threshold are probably uh, an easier thing to study. I'll put it that way. Maybe not the best thing, but certainly easier to document. So if you look at all these studies, is there enough of, a, of an immune response in patients receiving chemo to say that there's that you should have a positive benefit and that that flu vaccine, influenza vaccine is effective? And yes, however, if you look at all these studies, a consistent theme emerges is that yes, you see antibodies titers go up. You see increases in seroprotection rates after chemotherapy patients receive the influenza vaccine. But in any study that also has a healthy control group, the rates of seroprotection and the, the increases in antibody titers are almost always less than healthy controls. 
So it does appear to be effective, but but likely less effective than if healthy patients had uh, the same influenza vaccine. And that makes sense that it's not as effective. We know that these patients are immunocompromised. So while it makes sense that they seem to be less effective, it is reassuring that many of these patients, you know, still do uh, get enough benefit that they, that will help with uh, um, protecting them from from influenza. Um, one other thing that emerges uh, with regards to are they effective is that the effectiveness of the influenza vaccine um, is tends to be better in patients who have a history of prior immunizations. So those patients that get their flu shot every year are more likely to have a benefit when they undergo chemo of the flu vaccine than those who have never got a flu shot in the past, which I think is important, especially with regards to just public health efforts to get more people vaccinated. So are they effective? Yeah, they, they appear to be effective, but likely a little bit less effective than in healthy people. And I know you've already listened to 10 minutes of this to arrive at something that you probably intuitively already knew, but hey, it's fun. All right, so question two, when should we give this? This is what this is the question that, that, that I get a lot, because we kind of, you know, we know they're safe, we know they're effective. Uh, even in cancer patients getting chemo, maybe they're less effective, but we still kind of knew they were effective. But when do we give it? When's the best time to give it? Should you give it, um, ideally, if you can, of course, you'd give it two weeks before, but as I mentioned before, that's not a luxury we often have. So should you give it the same day as chemo? Uh, maybe a day or two after chemo. Maybe you should give it a week before the next cycle starts. So we have three studies that I found that, that seek to answer this question. So I'm going to go through these three uh, in some detail because this is at least what interests me. So uh, one case, W-U-M-K-E-S <coughs> et al. writing in Vaccine, the journal Vaccine 2007, <clears throat> looked at um, early versus late influenza vaccine in patients receiving chemo, early being on day five of a chemotherapy cycle, late being day 16. All these patients were receiving every three-week chemo. They included 38 patients with breast cancer, 18 with colon, who were randomized roughly 50-50, either too early or late. Uh, the GMT, or gene uh, geometric mean titer increases, were better on those patients who got vaccinated on day five than on day 16, but that was only true in those breast cancer patients. Um, and this was like a two to three fold increase. So you're talking uh, average titers of 70% on day five if you were vaccinated on day five versus 20% if you got your vaccine on day 16. And again, you're measuring the, the titers at the same duration after um, vaccination. But there was no increase or no benefit of early vaccination in the colon cancer group. So this is where it's helpful to look at the chemotherapy, in my opinion. The breast cancer patients all received FEC, so fluorouracil, epirubicin, cyclophosphamide for six cycles, or they received, and that's FEC, or they received FEC for three, followed by docetax for three. And the colon cancer patients all received KPOX, the Q3-week KPOX. Now, it may sound like this is chemo versus chemo, but of fluorouracil, epirubicin, cyclophosphamide, oxaliplatin, and capecitabine, only one of those five chemotherapy drugs is used as an immunosuppressive. I don't mean myelosuppressive. They all have their myelosuppressive properties, but just because a drug is myelosuppressive does not mean it is also immunosuppressive and vice versa. It's kind of like a square and a rectangle. So cyclophosphamide is used to treat lupus nephritis. It's used to treat autoimmune diseases. So it has in and of itself, even if it does not decrease the white blood cell count, it does have some 
uh, immunosuppressive properties. So this is one question I have after the study is the day five, is that more beneficial? Is that early vaccination more beneficial um, only in patients receiving cyclophosphamide? In other words, early vaccine is better, but only in those at a higher risk of not developing a good immune response. So a little bit of an unanswered question that I, I wish they would pay more attention at chemo. And if that were to hold true, then I would have same, same concerns about late vaccination for patients receiving, say, fludarabine-based uh, regimens, which is also an immunosuppressive drug. Okay, so uh, the next one we have, Annals of Oncology 2011. This is Mirved-Egnik. Um, so a hyphenated last name, uh, looking at day 14 versus day 16 influenza vaccination in 38 breast cancer patients. Uh, and there was a non-statistically significant increase in average titers in the early group. Um, Ser protection was only found in one of three patients that, um, in only one of three strains uh, that were vaccinated in the early group. So, you know, you have your trivalent, your quadrivalent vaccines that are meant to protect against three or four viruses. So this was a trivalent vaccine. And in the early group of those three strains, um, there was a statistically significant increase in protection in only one of those three. But in the late group, it was zero of three. And these were all breast cancer patients, so they were receiving FEC and docetaxel. So from those two studies, again, day four or day five versus day 16, at least in the patients receiving cyclophosphamide, there did appear to be a, a trend um, that early vaccination is better than waiting at day 16. And one thing that these studies both show in their, in their baseline demographics is that the average white count on day four or five is around six, so normal, versus an average white count of three which is a little bit less than normal on day 16. So intuitively, that would make sense that as the white count is higher, uh, a vaccine would have a, a better chance of being able to mount uh, an immune response. So we have a Korean study from 2017 by Kim, Keen and Kim um, and the rest of their colleagues. Uh, now, this is the methodologically the best study of the three. Um, they randomized patients to either day one or day 11, so early versus late. So different dates, not four and 16 or five and 16, but day one and day 11. And they stratified them by age and prior uh, influenza vaccine history. And again, I mentioned that patients who had a history of getting a flu vaccine in the past consistently mounted better immune responses to the flu vaccine going forward. They included uh, 97 patients of various malignancies and they saw similar basically the same seroprotection, seroconversion rates between the day one and day 11 group. Um, so, you know, day 11's five days before day 16, so maybe that's early. Although day 11 for most of these regimens is gonna be when you start to get the nadir. Um, they do tell you how many patients receive doxorubicin-containing regimen and platinum-containing regimens and taxane-containing regimens, but not what percentages had cyclophosphamide in each arm. Um, so the summary of those three studies to me is that early administration of a flu vaccine during a chemo cycle from day one to day five may be better, and maybe day four and day five might be the best, uh, especially uh, if you're receiving cyclophosphamide as part of your chemo or another immunosuppressive chemotherapy drug. Um, and that, that co coincides with having a higher white blood cell count early on in the chemo cycle versus late. Um, and many of these studies, or a couple of them, looked at what cycle of chemo were you on. So you were on cycle one, two, or three, or were you on cycle four, five, and six? They looked at it in a dichotomous way. Because it makes sense that you would be um, 
more immunosuppressed after five cycles of chemo than after your first cycle of chemo. Uh, but it was looked at in a dichotomous way, so uh, you know there was no difference there. Uh, so with, with the larger studies, and if we just looked at cycle one of patients versus cycle six patients, maybe you would see something. Um, but again, going forward from this, I will do what, uh, you know, kind of based on this is I would advocate for patients probably to get their, their influenza vaccine. If they come to clinic, say, you know, ideally two weeks before, if not, let's do it day one, two or three while you're still taking your, your antiemetics when the white count is still at its highest. Um, and if you re were receiving cyclophosphamide, I think I might wait till day four, um, to do that just because that's what uh, some of the data have shown. Although, again, that data is pretty weak. I'm, I'm stretching here. Uh, another question, how much um, vaccine should we give? Might seem like a silly question. That you give one, you give the flu shot. Um, well, we have uh, the Vacan study, which is a French study that looked at two doses of the flu vaccine compared to one. This was written by Rousseau and colleagues in Annals of Oncology 2012. Uh, patients were giving uh, the flu vaccine patients were given the flu vaccine on day seven of a Q3 week chemo cycle and then again three weeks later. Uh, they had 65 patients um, that, uh, and they were measuring basically serologically um, antibody titers. Um, and they found that two doses was better than one, both in increases in geometric mean titers of antibody as well as reaching that threshold for seroconversion. Uh, well, the problem is they, they measured you know, they measured pre-vaccine antibody levels or titers. They measured it three weeks later after the first um, after the first vaccine, and then in only those patients who received a second vaccine, they measured it again three weeks later. Um, so it's you know they didn't look at the control group to see three weeks later. So there's a fairly big flaw there, but it does appear that at least giving two doses uh, does increase or, or likely increases titers. Whether or not you should do that, again unknown. Uh, uh, Jamshed, writing in uh, the journal Vaccine in 2015, looked at the high-dose uh, influenza vaccine versus the standard dose. So in the United States, there is a high-dose influenza vaccine that's approved for patients 65 years and older. Uh, they specifically looked at this high dose in patients under the age, age of 65 uh, getting chemo. Uh, they were vaccinated on day one of a chemotherapy cycle, although not necessarily cycle one, and they found uh, significant increases in geometric mean titers of antibodies and seroconversion rates, but basically the but um, equivalent rates of seroprotection. So while the antibodies went up higher, there was more of an immune response with the high dose. It appeared that an effective immune response was achieved just as well with standard dose. And we don't know what type of chemo was received uh, in this study. Um, and these seroprotection rates were 80 to 90% uh, with the standard dose, which is higher than what we've seen in some of these other studies that, uh, that I looked through. So the summary is, this is, you know, giving more of a vaccine, whether it's two doses or high doses, needs to be studied more, but, uh, but is an attractive option for future study. Question four, what other interesting stuff did I find going through this? Uh, well, one, so there are two things I'll talk about. One is drugs that work by targeting B cell function tended to decrease immune response. So let's start with rituximab. So Hottinger um, and colleagues writing in 2012 in The Oncologist looked at basically immune effect, um, uh, influenza vaccine effectiveness to look for risk factors for, 
for poor effect, basically, or poor response to a flu vaccine. And they found several risk factors in univariate analysis, but then when they combined the model and did a multivariate regression, only two factors were still found to be associated with a decreased vaccine response. One was older age, so less than 40, 40 to 60, or less than 60, with less than 60 having the poor, poorest response, and then receiving rituximab. Um, so just to give you the raw numbers, um, looking at vaccine response measured by seroprotection rates, 51% uh, of 51 patients receiving chemo, 75% had an effective vaccine response. Those were so 51 patients receiving chemo but not rituximab, 75% vaccine effectiveness rate based on seroprotection. In 11 patients receiving chemo plus rituximab, it's 0%. And there are similar studies in RA patients and uh, another study in patients uh, receiving RCHOP that show uh, poor um, influenza vaccine response in patients receiving rituximab. And if you go back and listen to the rituximab episode, we talked about that. And it makes sense if you're going to deplete a lot of the B cells in your body, it's going to affect your immune response. So what other drugs target B cells besides our CD20 monoclonal antibodies? Well, abrutinib sure does. The Bruton's tyrosine kinase is a key function of um, downstream from the B cell receptor. And there was a research letter published by Sun and Gao in 2016 in JAMA Oncology looking at only 19 patients uh, given a flu vaccine, uh, a trivalent flu vaccine. Uh, and they did see increases in titers uh, after vaccine. Uh, the seroconversion rates, though, for, were for... Um, the one of the A strains, one of the A strains, and the B strain were 16%, 26%, and 11%. So pretty low serum conversion rates, seroconversion rates. And again, a seroconversion is a fourfold increase in titers. So pretty low increases in titers, lower than what I've seen in these other chemo studies. And the uh, there was only one of the three strains, um, one of the A strains, had a statistically significant increase in seroprotection rate from baseline. So abrutinib certainly appears to have a more attenuated influenza vaccine response than plain chemo. There was an immune response, um, but it did not appear to be as effective as it with uh, traditional chemotherapy. Now again, only 19 patients, so it's going to be hard to take uh, a lot from this. Uh, and then of course, I'm contractually obligated by just good science to discuss immunotherapy at least once a month on this podcast. So what about uh, those patients receiving immunotherapy, checkpoint inhibitors like nivolumab, pembrolizumab, etc., and the influenza vaccine? There's a concern that uh, drugs that uh, you know cut the brakes or unleash the true power of the immune system, that if you give uh, a vaccine that increases immune response, you might have more adverse events. Uh, so Lobley and Balmelli in uh, this year in 2018, writing in the Journal of Immunotherapy of Cancer, looked at 23 patients with lung cancer, uh, all of them receiving nivolumab with one exception of a patient receiving pembrolizumab. They saw a 52.2% uh, rate of immune-related adverse events, 26% of those grade three or four. And they say that, wow, this is a kind of a high rate of serious side effects. Um, maybe it is if you look at uh, Keynote 24, though, and that was the study comparing pembrolizumab versus chemo in patients with a PDL1 tumor proportion score of more than 50%. The rate of grade 3, 4, or 5 toxicity there was 26.6%. So it's a concern that uh, is not addressed uh, that people still should have, but if you're listening to this, think about how many patients are receiving immunotherapy in your, uh, in your clinic, in your hospital. 
uh, see if you can uh, do a little study there and get access to their influenza vaccine rates or vaccination rates because I'm issuing a challenge that we as oncology pharmacists should be the one that answer this question um, of are there higher immune-related adverse events in these patients. We're, we would have access to this data and uh, should easily be able to access that, analyze it, and then disseminate the results um, in accordance with uh, you know, our responsibility as healthcare professionals. Thanks for listening. Uh, find us on the iTunes store. Give us a five-star review. Uh, review the podcast. Tell us what you'd like to hear. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at FarmDetanib and follow the podcast at OncofarmPod. And thanks for listening, and uh, I hope to see you all a little further down the road. Boiler up! Go Boilers! Thank you.